You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Connection uh, basketball edition of the podcast. You can always check us out at mwcconnection.com. For all the stuff we're sticking out there for Hoops version, I'm Jeremy Moss hanging out with the more knowledgeable side, Eli Betker, for an off-season hoop show. We're, we're back to 11 coaches now. Last last time we had a podcast, we were only at 10. Actually, 10.5 with Paul Ware being very closely. 10 and a half. Yeah, that, that is true. <laughs> that Oh, that was wild, man. That coaching search. The last uh, Crazy. The U-turn it did at mid-afternoon on Monday night, I want to say. I think it was, yeah, something like that. Those little two didn't even know afterwards. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here's what we got here. Um, we're gonna talk about all the transfer news because I believe do we have a, have we accounted for every transfer so far? Uh, as far as I know, mm-hmm. we made we made an article on the site, so it's been updated for out for a while. Uh, the big the big news. Um, well, let's just start with this. Cam Oliver officially in the in the NBA draft. He's gone. What is your first thought? Like, how does that impact Nevada? So, it it obviously impacts them pretty significantly. That's sixteen points and about nine rebounds a game. That's that's now gone. And when you add that with Marcus Marshall and DJ Fenner, both double digit scores that are gone from the roster, gone from Reno. That's that's pretty significant. I think that that doesn't change the fact that Nevada is probably still going to be everyone's Mountain West favorite, at least unless something significant changes, I think they, they should be number one heading into November. But I, I can't say it wasn't expected. Oliver's con- considered probably about top 40, top 45 prospect for the, the 2017 NBA draft, most places you look. But I think they recover nicely with the number of incoming transfers. So the Wolfpack should have no problem winning at least 25 games next season, I, I would imagine. Ooh, 25, that's a lot. It is a lot. I mean, the 28 last year, so it's and they have they have some good players coming in. They have the Martin twins from NC State. They have Kendall Stevens from Purdue. So, and then some. They have Jordan House Caroline Cook coming back. Cook. Yep, House Cook too. So it's it's a good team, really good team. They do lose almost forty, what, almost fifty points a game too with uh, Marshall twenty, Fenner sixteen and um oh no sorry what's that I'm looking at it wrong sorry, Cameron sixteen Fenner thirteen so that's thirty point twenty nine points there. And you got twenty more, almost fifty points. So I mean, it's a lot to recover, and I, I think I mentioned that in my little bit this morning that they have to fill a lot of holes. But I think the most interesting thing about this team, and a couple people mentioned to the to me on Twitter a couple days ago, that this team is odd in the sense that it's going to have so much size, but when you look at the post, they're actually a bit undersized. So almost all the players on next year's roster will be about six foot six, six foot seven. So it, it it'll there will be a lot of size mismatches that Musselman and the Wolfpack should be able to to counter and create some issues with some of the smaller teams and less physical teams in the league, which which makes Nevada another serious contender next season. That would yeah, use that size mismatch coaching difference, like if they're undersized. Like this past year, they crushed it rebounding because that was our big thing in the Iowa State uh, tournament game. 
and they out-rebound the win, then that didn't happen very well. So there may be a different – you expect maybe a different style of play for them next year with that those different players? I, I think it's a different style of play, and that's mostly because – Nevada probably won't be operating with just six guys as they were last season, and <laughs> yeah. and and they and Musselman handled it really well. The players, you could tell. I mean, I don't know what the practice schedule is like, but you could tell that that they're very well trained and they're able to handle playing thirty-five to forty minutes a game. But this team will have a lot more depth, and though it might not have the superstars like Marshall and Oliver, I think it'll be extremely helpful that they have more depth and they can head to the bench and still get production when. When your guys like Jordan Caroline or Caleb Martin are on the bench, that that'll that'll be beneficial for them. Yeah, if they get more, if they could get heck even seven and a half guys, eight guys, give them a few minutes, that'd help. Mm-hmm. Look yeah. at mock drafts like Draft Express has him go to fifty-one to the uh, Nuggets right now. I, I've seen him anywhere between the forty and fifty range, so that makes sense. Yeah. Wouldn't you not like this? Is we're, we'll do an NBA draft show later on to talk about this stuff, but because he's going to the combine as well, starting May 9th, but. You only, you're only guaranteed if you're a top 30 pick in the NBA for a um, first-round selection. Or it's top, tough, like, yeah. Is it 30 or 32? It, it's, it's top 30, yeah. 30, yeah. That's right, yeah. NFL 32. Uh, so that's interesting because I know the rosters are expanded to 15 now, so you have guys add more of these type of guys, but that's a risk you got to take if you're not guaranteed a contract if you're not taken in the top 30. Unless Oliver flops in, in the training leading up to the draft and leading up to the season – I would imagine he'd be able to find his way on a roster, whether it be the team that drafts him or just any other team looking to fill out a roster. But it's it is a gamble unless you're a consensus top thirty pick, and I think there's only probably about fifteen to twenty college players that have that same feeling right now. It's it's a risk, and we saw that with um, James Webb last year from Boise State forward that opted to skip his final season from Boise and go to the draft and he went unselected i i know that philadelphia picked him up but i don't i don't think he remained on the roster throughout the season so it's a gamble i think that oliver's a better pro prospect than than webb was so he should be able to find his way on a 15 man i think he could too plus it's a combine he's athletic enough to be a guy who could just dominate or have good not just highlight stuff but play well on those five on fives this upcoming week mm-hmm. he's not like there's guys like Set, like if you're a center or a real power forward playing the post, you can't really showcase your skills in the combine unless you just crush it with a rebound, 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 and def- defensive plays. But with his style of play, he should be able to make some noise at the combine, those five-on-fives. And and he's a, a well enough balanced player that it's not going to be a major weakness no matter what happens at the combine, at least from, from my eyes, because he can score from just about anywhere. He's athletic and make those... Uh, incredible plays around the hoop, so that's obviously beneficial for a, a guy that's going to probably play the four at the next level. He can hit outside shots, he can run the floor, rebound really well. So there's there's a lot of intrigue, and I think that's why he kept his name in the draft and makes sense. All right, let's go to the other school in Nevada, in UNLV. They have a top 25 class, according to ESPN. And they brought in one of the best players in the country. What was a Brandon McCoy ranked? He's a five-star player do you know his overall ranking at all i think he was he was 10 and then he dropped to 13 just a few days before unlv picked him i believe so top 15 player because there's a lot of we have some passionate unlv fans who comment on facebook and twitter about different things are you surprised about how well this class came together because we knew dave rice could recruit last year you can't really 
do anything on Menzies class just because of how crazy it was who they lost and had to call on probably the managers to come fill out for practice time at points to help out have five on five. So was there any shock that he was able to recruit this well to UNLV? It, it was a shock. Um, it was it was somewhat of a shock. I'll, I'll give you that. So so they pick up Jordan Johnson, the Milwaukee transfer, who's probably going to be one of the best guards in the conference. So, that, so that's significant just to get the ball rolling on the offseason. And there were a number of ties between Brandon McCoy and I believe Anthony Smith. The Smith was a JUCO transfer who had already signed with excuse me, uh, committed with UNLV before Brandon McCoy announced that he would commit. So Smith and McCoy are good buddies, and with Smith already on their roster, and Johnson, who McCoy liked, he, he would want a, a top guard to feed him the ball in the post, which which makes sense. You want to have a quality guard that can get you your opportunities. It, it makes sense that McCoy decided to commit to UNLV, even though a lot of people were shocked. Like, why would this top recruit go to the school that just won 11 or 12 games? And then once McCoy committed, you already have three to four solid options on the roster. Then you pick up a couple more top JUCO guys, and you end up with one of the best recruiting classes in the country. So it's it was pretty much just a domino effect for UNLV, but credit to Menzies for putting together a pretty stacked roster for next season coming off a, a pretty I think it's the second worst season in UNLV history but this this next year definitely won't be you would think so yeah looking at what the article you wrote about on this club wait a couple art stuff you and Andy Roberts did some stuff on this they have four of the best five players coming into this class with uh, McCoy being the only five star but you got a uh, I'm gonna butcher this name Checky Mabankwe Diong yeah oh yeah mm-hmm we call him, what should we call him? Is there a nickname for him? We should call him Ambassador. Check. Can, can, we, can we call him Check? <laughs> All right, Check. Check, check the young. That's where we're going with Check. And then uh, Amari <laughs> Hardy. So four of the top five guys. Again, I'll, UNLV fans would be very excited about this, but slow it down. You're probably – okay, remember, it's middle of May. You're probably not going to win the conference next year. You're probably might not even win, might not even win 20 games next year. You're not going to finish at the bottom of the conference. You're probably going to finish in the top half. So set those expectations low. And people are like, oh, what about that? this class? They're going to be, they should be number one because we'll get to your power rankings in a minute, kind mm-hmm. of an offseason. But no, you're not number one. Come on. These guys have never played a game with, with each other. Yeah, that's the problem. And it's it's good for Menzies and UNLV moving forward that they can grab these good recruits again after a few offseasons. And I don't really I haven't checked out the status for Brandon McCoy and as far as the draft goes but I would I would imagine that he's at least considered to be a one and done prospect so I and mean, if he sh- if he shines for a season does his thing and then heads off to the pro level then that's another gap you have to fill but I I would I would imagine UNLV fans have to be pretty ecstatic about what's going on right now because this is a a talented roster and definitely one that should finish in the top half of the conference. Whether they make the NCAA tournament is something that is might be a little bit lofty right now. We have to see how well this team meshes together. I think one of the one of the keys for UNLV right now is that they have the ability just by the name brand and what they've done in recent years that they can pick up some quality non-conference games. They played Oregon and Duke last season. So if they are a team that is around 
what we would expect to be a tournament level team and and they have some games against quality opponents and that's that would definitely help them put together a tournament resume when it comes down to its selection Sunday. Okay, here's the thing I went over I looked at went over to draftexpress.com because they'll rank multiple years out. They don't have them ranked in the 2018 draft next year because obviously you can't go to make the jump. And then I wish we covered this more, but we didn't realize how close he was considered UNLV until well after the All American game. So, like, here's a couple things they mentioned. Like, yeah, his size, 6'11, 244. Um, obviously, center size. His, his weakness is that, um, I guess it is, his wingspan isn't great for how tall he is. But he, he doesn't seem to be an offensive powerhouse, more of a defensive type player. Like, like their, their overall outlook says he's a consensus top 10 recruit. Uh, he struggled at the Colorado Springs camp without elite length and explosiveness average and average and had an average feel for the game unable to stand out on either end of the floor and was somewhat disheartening to see him respond to his struggles without much fire or resolve so they hmm. do like him but there's um the biggest thing was he protects the rim and, cl- and gets the glass when motivated mm-hmm. so and showed flashes of score scoring at times so maybe he's a who was the guy that had last year that went to st john it was the oak oh geez he's a defensive monster. oh <laughs> yeah or something uh, it's uh, uh, something like that. I'm forgetting John, the name I right think now. He went to St. John's, didn't he end up? Okanobo. Yeah, but that sounds about right. Something like that. Okanobo. Good luck, Okanobo. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah. So he, maybe he's like him a little bit. That's what it sort of seems like. Maybe. A, I don't know how you're a top ten recruit, top fifteen, if you don't have a clear offensive style of game that's explosive or good, or great. I, I think another thing that maybe works against him, at least from the bit of research that I've done, is he's played on AAU teams and high school teams that have had go-to scores. I know that he played alongside uh, Jordan Shakel or, or Shaq Lysel. need to figure out how to pronounce that one. Uh, the San Diego State signee who will be a freshman this season. Uh, excellent perimeter shooter. Um, and he's played with some talented guys so that that have more of an offensive skill set. So, we'll, I mean, it'll, it'll take time and we'll see how much he can provide to the offense. But uh, even having just a good defensive anchor is a positive for UNLV because they were a little shaky on defense last year. Here's an interesting note from Mike Schmitz over at Draft Express. This is a bit older. I was checking the date. <clears throat> Excuse me. He wrote this July 28th, 2015, so basically two years ago. So he was a senior in, this year in 2016-17. So this would have been two seasons ago, so a sophomore year. or yeah. So he only averaged 12 minutes a game as a sophomore year. But yet, they mentioned forty per 40-minute 40 adjusted pace was 24 points per game, 18 rebounds, <laughs> and over Man. three blocks. So that was a couple years ago. But I guess he's been 6'11 for a while, so maybe if that played into it a little bit, like he grew early, dominant, still a very good player, but could be one of those guys like he's 7'2 as a freshman and to be in 7'2 as a senior, something mm-hmm. like that. But it's a he's great to have in the class um, to, again, UNLV, like, they're not going to win the conference. I could confidently confidently say that now, but they'll probably. I think if they finish top four, like you had them in there, that'd probably be the extreme high end for me. Uh, let's go to New Mexico. We mentioned them with new head coach. How so? The players that here's the transferring list. I believe this is correct. That I have uh, Sam Logwood is remaining in New Mexico. Yes. No, mm-hmm. uh, I think I kind of updated this. Not really. Elijah Brown going to Oregon. That's kind of a shocker, right? Yeah, it's a bit of a surprise. I think most people are leaning towards Gonzaga, but Oregon it is. Because I know he went to St. Mary's, Gonzaga. I think maybe you're right on when we mentioned him shooting too much. Not not a good fit for Mark Few. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my that was my main knock there. And a big uh, Oregon lost a few guys, and they'll they'll be fine having one guy be the guy to take 20 shots a game. 
is Jalen Harris is staying, right? I believe he's gone. Oh, he's gone. Xavier he's Adams gone. is staying, though, right? Uh, I, I have them both listed as departures, but that uh, might have changed. I'm that might have changed. Anthony Mathis is staying, right? Did I get that one right? I think he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Math, Mathis is staying. What were the other ones you had mentioned? Adams. Adams yeah, is gone. Okay, that's right. And the other one was... Jalen Harris? Harris. Um, See, folks, we he's gone as well. Okay. Oh, there we Harris go. Yeah. So they, those couple guys... They have a new head coach. Like, what do you make of Paul Weir, even though we haven't really seen much of anything because no practices outside of him talking? He comes up the road from Las Cruces. What is he gonna? What do you think he's going to kind of bring to the team? Or what can he do with all these players gone? Is it going to be a UNLV situation, perhaps? That's what I'm thinking. It's, it's going to be a tough season for New Mexico just with so many players coming out and coming in. And he's still – I mean, just, just how we did with Dave Wojcik, we have to give him a few seasons to get the players that – fit his scheme and what he wants to do. I said it initially that I thought hiring Weir was a a significant risk because he's coached one level or excuse me, one year at the D one level, had a good year as New Mexico State, but inherited a a great roster that Marvin Menzies had set up, who's obviously now a Mountain West coach himself. So it's a risk, but a lot of people have said good things about Weir. Uh we'll see what see what he does the first few seasons, but New Mexico can't expect a whole lot the next year or two. That's just a bit unrealistic at this point. And then also the recruiting class overall, they, I assume 24-7 is correct. They have one player ranked eighth in the conference above Air Force, and that's it. They don't, 24-7 sports doesn't list all 11 teams, so I don't know how credit I should be giving them, how much credit. <laughs> it, it can be a little shaky from time to time. I you know I think even if New Mexico would have – if, if they would have been more stable with Neil and, and they wouldn't have lost a number of transfers, it still would have been a bit of a rebuilding year, just knowing that Tim Williams is heading out. And that's because that's a big player you have to fill. That's good 17 points a game with seven rebounds. So it, it's going to be a tough season regardless, but one that hopefully New Mexico can find some quality players in and, and move forward. I don't think they'll be as bad. What, what, did, what was UNLV last year? They ended up finishing eighth, is that right? Or 11th, I mean. Last? Were they dead last? I just, I think they were dead last, yeah. I know I that think, they won 11 games overall. Yeah, I know. I think New Mexico is going to be not great, unfortunately, but I don't think they're going to be as bad as UNLV. Because UNLV lost, what, eight of the eight players last year, I think, either transfer or draft. I think they held on to about three scholarship guys. Yeah, they tied for last yeah. with Air Force. So they might, they'll probably be near the bottom, but... Unfortunately, that happens when you lose that many players. So next on your list, kind of, kind of, kind of going through, check out Eli's article he put on the site. He kind of put stock up, stock down about teams. There are some questions we had about Colorado State's with them being Larry Stacey's uh, thing, players leaving, like uh, either tr- graduating or transferring on. They lose Cl- Clevel, Emmanuel, Amogbo. And then Braden Kolker, who played a little bit, but they bring in the D2 player of the year, Deion James. That's a pretty big deal, right? JUCO guy? Yeah, they, they have two really good quality uh, transfers coming in from the JUCO level, Deion James and Alonzo Tyson. Both of these guys were fairly sought after from other teams across the country, and that helps, at the very least, replace some of the production that's left by Clavel and Amagbo. That's, I, I don't understand... The, the amount of uh, hate that I got for 
placing Colorado State fifth in my power rankings. That seems a bit odd when you have to replace two seniors like Clavel and Amagbo, but I don't think CSU will be awful by any means this season. They still have a number of talented players on the roster. They also have Minnesota transfer Kevin Dorsey coming in, so that's three solid additions. But I, I would say that CSU is probably somewhere around fourth or fifth, at least in, by my estimates, headed into the next season. So it should be another quality year for the Rams and Eustachie. And I just hope they can play more than five players. Right, yeah. De- depth will always be a, an issue. Yeah, last year was, was wild because they had a similar rotation that Nevada did. I think at one point Nevada and Colorado State were 350th and 251st in minute percentage, so hopefully well, that Brian improves well, a bit Brian this next well, season. Brian Dudwell, Brian Dudwell, Brian Dudwell, Brian Dudwell, Brian Dutcher there taking over for Steve Fisher. We never really talked about Fisher too much on the podcast, but he basically made San Diego State basketball something, and more than something, pretty elite for a good couple of years. Yeah, he really did, and he turned SDSU into a mid-major power, just like Gonzaga and St. Mary's have become the last decade or two. I don't think that San Diego State will miss as much of a beat as people, as as some people think with Brian Dutcher, and this is a guy that's been alongside Steve Fisher for... 25 years I want to say dating all the way back to when they're coaching time. at Michigan so if yeah so if Dutcher has put up as as I guess consumed any of the information that Fisher has told him I'm sure he has been alongside someone else for that long I, th- I think the Aztecs should be in pretty good shape and they add Devin Watson who's a 20 point scorer from San Francisco I saw that San Diego State their basketball account tweeted out yesterday where Watson would have ranked if he would have scored all those points with the Aztecs, and I think he was would have been one of the top five scorers in uh, program history. Uh, so that's that's impressive to add a go-to scorer never. like that. So and it, it's a it's a big copycat like that, but uh, it's it's good they finally have a go-to scorer because that's been their issue for the last five years or so, or at least since Kawhi Leonard has left. So if they can get Watson the ball and and Kell and Pope and all those guys coming back, I think San Diego State should still be pretty good next season, even without their Hall of Fame coach. Yeah, I, I think they'll be fine. I think part of it was, for to be better, it's because last year their defense wasn't very good. Or, sorry, let me rephrase mm-hmm. that. It was not elite like it has been. It was just pretty good. And they still did offense didn't get any better. So if they have a go-to scorer. Because we had an article by one of our newer guys on about what they could do to get back to the top of the Mountain West. And I think I think part of it is, like I joked last year, if they have a decent score, like if this guy from San Francisco is the real deal, can put up within plus or minus four points of what he did there, competition a bit tougher, I would think, overall in the Mountain West compared to West Coast Conference, who you're playing. And if he is the guy, that would give him, like said, since Kawhi Leonard, maybe Xavier Adams when he was there, wearing those uh, combat sneakers, losing the Gulf Coast, unfortunately, <laughs> years ago. But if they, if that's <laughs> what they need. Like if they can get a score, they, I don't see why they were – they played that playing game versus New Mexico, and they beat them. So in the Mount West tournament, I think they'd have a chance. Like who they have bringing in the four star guys, the transfers, losing cheat them, kind of a big deal a little bit. But I think they'll be okay. They just if they can find an identity with Ducher and it doesn't take too long to get going. And I don't think, like you said, he he's been with Fisher for two decades. I don't think he's going to come in and have a completely different style of play. Maybe tweak things here and there just because. But it's going to be the same Aztec team you've seen in a while, and they're going to be. I think I can see them being top three next year. You'd have Nevada, them, and 
Who would be your third team? Boise State, maybe? You're pretty high on them right now. Yeah, I'd, I'd have Boise State, yeah. And I think maybe this is... Maybe this is a bit too far, but I would probably say that I'm more confident in the the coaching switch that San Diego State bringing in Brian Dutcher. I know it's it's obviously a drop off going from Fisher to Dutcher, but comparing that to what Paul Ware brings to New Mexico, I would probably have more confidence in the guy that's been coaching at least around the Division One ranks for about 25 years, as opposed to a guy that had one successful season with New Mexico State. So time will tell, but I think that if you're an Aztec fan, you shouldn't be too concerned about next season. And as you mentioned, if you bring in a guy that can score 15 to 17 points per game, that releases some of the pressure that you have on your defense. It doesn't have to be nearly as elite as it's been the last few years. Obviously, you want it to not decline at all and improve if you can, but the more points you score, the less points you have to worry about giving up. Let's take a – because we're going to do this properly now. Let's take a quick timeout. And depending what geo local ad you have, please listen to it. And we'll be back in a second. <laughs> All right, let's continue this talk. Let's go to you mentioned Boise State. Let's kind of get let's go over your rankings really quick. But we'll go to Boise State. So we've already touched on most of these teams because we are now, as of this tweet, May six, one hundred eighty-eight days. We're now one hundred eighty-seven days left. Are you wait? Let me ask you this before we get to the rankings. Are you are you glad college basketball's moving up their schedule a little bit to start the season? Uh, I I guess we'll see what the benefits and drawbacks of it are. I don't like what the Big Ten has done. I think that's a bit odd with playing conference games the first week of December just to have their conference tournament played in New York a week early. Oh, but that's that's a whole other thing. So they're, but, so they're not going to yeah, end, like, they're, so they're, or Pac-12 and Big 12 and they're going to end like West Coast? No, they'll they'll be playing, uh, I think the first tournament is the Missouri Valley typically. I think they'll be playing that week at Madison Square Garden. So they should be probably the second or third conference to have their auto bids done, which is weird, especially they're, since they're playing in New York and besides Penn State and Maryland, there isn't much Big Ten action going on there. But that's that's a big tense issue. I'm I'm all for college basketball coming whenever it wants. So, no, no, no. so, <laughs> so that's so fine by me. A week of conference play or in December, then go to non-conference or something. As far as what I've read, I think Norlander posted a article, posted an article about a week ago or so that Big Ten will have a week of conference uh, conference play the first week of December. Then they'll have whatever tournaments they have or non-conference games they have scheduled for the rest of the year and then resume the last week of December or the first week of January just so that they can get ahead and then play the conference tournament the first week that there are That's conference tournaments, if that makes sense. money-making move because that title game yeah. has been on CBS. It'll probably be, if it's a doubleheader, Missouri Valley. Well, I guess no no Wichita anymore, but Missouri Valley, then Big Ten. That probably get some pretty pretty good eyeballs that first week, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that week is March. That's not it's not a bad deal. It's unique. Try something different. I just think with college hoops, we'll get to the rankings here in a second. But they need to have like a uniform day where it's like, like kind of like college football a little bit, where don't just spread these games out. Like maybe they I know they had those aircraft carrier game aircraft carrier games a few years ago, but don't have one game here, mm-hmm. two games here. Either start with like a full slate of everybody playing, like under a two day period or three day period. Or have like a huge doubleheader, like the coaches versus cancer, 
or something like that the very first game where it's a big doubleheader on whatever day of the week and then everything comes in over the weekend. I think that's the way to go. Have a couple big games and then bring everybody else in the following few days. Uh, yeah, I, I like that. I think I had thought about this just briefly. Maybe it was maybe it was this last summer. I don't remember. But if if all of the schools that are going to participate in their exempt events, whether it be in Puerto Rico or Maui or wherever those tournaments are, have those all the first week of the season. So you have all of your teams playing in these wild locations across the country and so get all those tournaments done that first week, and then you can go into your just normal non-conference scheduling. So you have uh, like San Diego State playing Arizona or whatever it might be. So you have those games that are more against teams that are geographically near where your school is. So you can have all your travel out of the way that first week, then you get into playing teams that are closer to you, and then by that time you'll have the conference schedule rolling around. I think that would make at least some sense. And then you have most of the big games in the first week to get people excited. And then you have a few good matchups here and there in this conference TV play rules at all. So you gotta have those Thanksgiving week tournaments and everything. So I, I oh, can yeah. maybe kind of centralize it a little bit here and there, but I just, yeah, just we'll probably discuss this a million times. Have a couple big games on Thursday or something like a triple header or a dozen games or so big games, but uh, I think mm-hmm. going. So your rankings as there as of uh, May 8th or excuse me, May 6th. Sorry. Nevada number one, as we already talked about. Boise State, Rip, Nick Duncan. Sorry, dang it. <laughs> San Diego State. <laughs> also on, on, well, we'll get to Boise in a moment. UNLV four. It's a bit high for my taste. CSU five. I think the most surprising team on here is San Jose State at six. Yeah, I mean, I mean some people are, are buying that hype. I sure like what San Jose State's done. I, I don't think many people are aware of what San Jose State's bringing in this season. They have some quality recruits coming in, some a Juco guy who, by some accounts, is a four-star. And then they have Brandon Clark, who's good for 17 points a game, and Ryan Waylich is another solid option. And we saw some glimpses of promise last year from San Jose State. They had that week where they beat, I believe it was UNLV, San Diego State, and New Mexico. Uh, three straight. That was three straight games in just about a 10-day span. And they finished seven and eleven last year in conference play, so this team isn't as far off as some yeah, might they, believe. They, like, I started noticing them, and I'm glad we had a couple writers cover San Jose State last year to help them out because they had a few, um, few like I said, a cu- couple of good wins, um, more than what the a couple wins they had last year, whatever it was, where they're like winless, no division one wins or okay. something. Yeah. All right, so we got them six, mm-hmm. and we'll see how they go. It'd be great if San Jose State can get better. It's a tough competition to getting people just to watch them because I talked to coach card on the football side. You got all the Bay area sports teams. You got, you got the uh, Niners, you got the Raiders for a couple of years. You got the A's, the giants, uh, hockey, crazy Fresno seven, Wyoming eight, okay. Utah state nine, no Jalen Moore. It's going to be a big hit. New Mexico 10 and air force 11. My only things on those, like I said, I'd say San Jose state a bit high or surprisingly high. I'd say, but what did they finish last year? Weren't they eighth or ninth in the conference? I believe. They're yeah the bottom I think half they were the opening round mm-hmm. game. I would say the only thing I would maybe change on this, I would probably flip flop UNLV and CSU, and maybe Fresno and San Jose. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's what a lot of people Honestly, have recommended. I don't, even though Nevada lost a ton, you got to put them number one because of what Musselman has done and bringing in. And I think there won't be too much of a drop-off at any. Honestly, I don't know who the number two team is. It's going to be so up for grabs because Boise lost Nick Duncan. Has um, Hutchinson officially declared an agent? Has that been announced yet? Or is he... He he hasn't. I don't think he will. I would be shocked if he stays in the NBA draft. He, he's he's received very little to no uh, draft potential. At least this year. So if him, if he yeah, but it's yeah, good for him to go and try it out. Back, they're probably number two, but it's going to be crazy. Like Boise, if he comes back, he could. Do you think he'd be maybe player of the year potential candidate, Hutchinson, if he returns? Definitely. Yeah, I would probably. Uh, another name that comes to mind is Jordan Caroline, maybe Brandon Clark, uh, maybe Brandon McCoy. But yeah, I'd probably go Hutchison as the number one candidate for right, player of the year. Here. We don't need to go too much farther past this 30-minute mark or so. So we haven't discussed uh, anything about Fresno really quick. You want to mention about who they're bringing in? Because they're bringing that Pacific transfer, Ray Bowles. Is he eligible this year, correct? Yes, he is eligible. So I, he had two seasons at Pacific, but... I guess he studies pretty hard because he was able to graduate, and he'll, he's a graduate transfer, so he's headed to Fresno. And uh, my main thing with Fresno is that they they lose three key front court members, and their issue last season was front court depth. So without three guys there, that's a lot to make up. Their backcourt's awesome, but uh, there are definitely some question marks across the depth right, of that roster. Let's go over Utah State one minute really quick. Utah State loses Jalen Moore to the NBA. Let's see if he get something that's 17 points a game but they got um who they here's a dark horse uh first team maybe for dark horse but kobe McElwain, who i think he's gonna tear it up next year i do too i think he, he could definitely find himself on first team all mountain west it's a guy that can hit some shots from deep and he'll definitely be the go-to guy now that moore's that's off crazy. campus combined for 30 points per game they finished what 10th in the conference ninth it was a rough season. Yeah, I think I said that they didn't win more than two consecutive games past December. So it was a up and down yeah, season do for the Aggies. Up now I know you discussed it before in the rankings, these coaching rankings, which we can post whenever. Tim Durier, is he on the hot seat for this year? I, I I'd probably have to talk with let maybe Parker Robertson and see what he has to think. I don't know if he'd be on the hot seat yet, but uh, his teams really haven't accomplished much of anything since he's been on campus. I, I, I don't know if he'd be canned yet, but I haven't been all that impressed with what's been done there in, at Utah State really the last couple seasons. 7-11, conference play each year, 30-32 and 32 in two years. I And losing more, I, I, I thought he coached one more year, but Ouch. also the last year or two of um, Stu Morrill didn't really help either. He kind of, before he retired, kind of took a step back. But again, remember, Utah State is <laughs> what, a decade removed from the Big West Conference. And so it's a still it's still a jump to climb. Other right. teams are mm-hmm. better than that. Say like Fresno and Nevada a little bit from their climb up, but Big West was before preceding the WAC, and they kept the win total going in the WAC, but they didn't get the prestige of winning the uh, tournament or the uh, regular season to get those NCAA bids are notable for. All right, so Wyoming, so you say stock up, Allen Edwards. You like him as head coach? I do, yeah. I like the style that they have there. It's a ton of, ton of three-point shooting. They love to run the fast break. It helps that they have some good scorers on the team. So that, that's, that's an exciting team. They're trying to keep something exciting and there they, in Laramie, uh, Wyoming. They a good team to come to Laramie. What can we do to make that happen for an odd conference? 
Oh, man. That's t- uh, well, I think the better that they get, the more difficult that will be. That's that's challenging. I, their best bet is still um, going and playing in other campuses. And, or like this past season, they were able to... I think it, they played a talented... I think they played Northern Iowa from the Missouri Valley in the challenge this past year. So they'd have to head on the road for the for the next Missouri Valley challenge, but it's difficult because that's a tough place to play with the altitude and, and that ruckus home crowd those fans like to get after it. So the better that Wyoming gets, well, the more challenging that will probably be. CBI championship over Coastal Carolina. <laughs> Anything helps. And you know what? Nevada did after they won the CBI. So it's just my main. Every little you know how step. get better games. Don't be located in Laramie, Wyoming. Yeah, that it's true. It's a challenge, but it's impressive that they've got some decent recruits coming in. So Alan Edwards has already done a pretty good job bringing some talent into campus. So we'll see what Wyoming Which, does this Wyoming, next season. Joking aside, like maybe play do what um, Colorado State did with Kansas State. Go to Denver. That's not too far away. Maybe get some neutral games mm-hmm. here in Denver a couple or do some sort of tournament in Denver where you bring in those many things where you have a four-team tournament. Bring in – why not bring in like um, Wyoming, Colorado, just some regional schools in the area that are Division One, Or as our, as you and me say and said before, make the Pac-12 Mountain West Challenge a thing. Come on. Man, I, that's, I feel anyway. like that's a pipe dream, but wouldn't that be something else? Yeah, it, it pretty much Arizona, does. San Diego State, Arizona, you got Oregon State playing, Utah State. They play each other. San Jose plays a couple. It's Think of it, man. You get a $2 million sponsor for a weekend tournament, like a three-day thing, the Big Ten ACC type deal. Get a couple bucks. Why not? Pac-12 Network needs content. Come on. That's right. <laughs> I'd, I'd be all for uh, it. Is there anything else we need to add on this basketball um off-season show any nuggets you need to drop on us um i think that as a whole the conference has gotten better this off-season even with losing like elijah brown tim williams cameron oliver some of those guys but most of the teams in the conference maybe besides nevada new mexico and maybe utah state most teams have improved so it should be a very competitive conference next year because as you said Nevada will probably be the unanimous number one pick, but after that, you can probably slate, I don't know, three, four, five teams in those the, the next few spots. So it's a, it's competitive, and although the Commerce might not have as much star power as it did the last few years, I think that overall it's it's probably more talented, and we'll see what they can get as far so as schedules are concerned. what do you have upcoming for basketball stuff? I see we're going to have your power rankings of some sort, the coaching rankings, anything else you have upcoming on hoops-wise? Um, I I think that schedule some schedule news will probably start coming in. That usually happens around late May, early June, and I think that's extremely important for the conference. I've said that so many times online. That is, if I mean the Mountain West can get as many four stars as they want, but if they aren't able to schedule quality opponents, then that won't help them very much. So I'll keep an eye out for the schedules that come in. Also, if there's any other transfers, hopefully. No one transferring out. We'll see what happens with that. And uh, and then, of course, with Hutchison, whether he decides to remain in the NBA draft or come back, he has until May 24th to make that decision. So hopefully right, we'll he'll be returning stuff. to Boise. Also, some NBA draft with Cameron Oliver, so look out for that. And uh, check out our website, mwcconnection.com. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're a Hoops fan. we got football stuff as well. And 
like our page on Facebook. We want to get – I put a little goal out today. I think people are unliking the page just to make me mad. <laughs> I posted this on Sunday <laughs> afternoon. I'm like, can we get by midnight 3,000 likes on our Facebook page? And we were at about 29.85. Do you care to guess where we're at now, Eli? Without looking. Um, from from this tone, probably, I don't know, maybe yeah, went down like five or so. Come on, people. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Go like our page. Um, again, follow us on Twitter, MWC Connection. Go to our um, podcast sites, whatever your, your preference is, iTunes, Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. If you ever use TuneIn Radio, go there and listen to the show, Blog Talk Radio. And I posted a few reviews over the weekend. Apparently, if you and I had better mic etiquette or better sound, we'd get five stars from this one guy. So that's something. We got four stars. Oh, yeah, the, the Idaho guy. Yeah. Well, four stars well, is better. Let me tell you, five stars make it give work. us a real opinion. Because there's one. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. There is one guy who put a comment, five stars, saying, oh, here it is right here. Um, oh. Our most recent review is April 4th. We've had a couple, two in the past few months. Give us five. Come on. I think the one from October 24th, um, Joe and Boise, listen to us again. I've, I've upgraded my mic, and so has others. So maybe upgrade that Upgrade that to a five-star. Appreciate it. Um, we got iPlay72. Thanks for putting out a Mountain West show. Love it. This other one, <laughs> I think he's half joking but half serious. Definitely among my top two or three Mountain West podcasts. First off, I'd like to know what the other the other one or two are. That's so good. We can figure that out first of all, because there's not many. Yes, we know and our competition here. Uh, but then he says, "I think they're joking. These guys are complete tools. They're openly biased against my team. They even admitted on the podcast. I listen to every episode. Keep it up. Five stars, go Boise." I gotta think it's, <laughs> it's joking. I, people do blame me for being a Boise Homer for some reason. They're the marquee team. What are you going to do about it for football? Yeah, because they're because no, their they head coach loves you, right? Twitter. I need to ask him that. I'm, like, I'm going to try to go to media days this year for football and say, "Hey, coach." Do you, first off, I say, "Hey, coach, um, do you run your own social media account?" If he says yes, or even yes or no, can you please unblock me? What do I have to do to unblock? Get the follow from you again or something? Yeah, he blocked me, Brian oh, Harrison. Man. But we got a few reviews. Leave us more. Like we're serious. Like tell a couple friends that'll help us out because. I can tell with Matt, we'd like guacamole money or burrito money or fast food money. Tell a couple of friends to like the show and listen to the show every now and then. That's all we're asking. Tell, this may sound old multi-level marketing type deal, but we're not selling anything. This is all free, right? I don't think that we charge anything for the show. It's free. Just, yeah. Just, just your time. Uh, <laughs> Maybe your sanity. Just here, but yeah, just listen. To, <laughs> tell, tell a couple of friends and <laughs> – we don't. We do a couple ads here and there, but there's some show notes. We'll have some stuff for ads in there. So if you like magazines, go look at that. If you like food, click on a few links to maybe you get something in return. You help us out too. So as always, oh, if you like listen to our March Madness show, yes, right, March Madness. That's there we go. <laughs> popping show. If you like that, maybe we'll do another one if we get enough up uh, emails on that to do it. We also have one three star rating from years ago. I don't know when it is, but whatever. This is iTunes only, so. Can we get to, let's do let's set another goal because you can't delete reviews I know that for sure <laughs> to get a fewer we were at thirteen <laughs> reviews in iTunes if you listen to the show in iTunes or heck if you don't listen to the show in iTunes go to iTunes and listen to the sh- or not listen but leave a review let's get to fifteen we'll go that's fair two reviews let's get two more reviews by the time um, you and me do a next uh, basketball show in a couple weeks 
Easy goal. Let's that do that. Good. So that's our goal next week. So go to iTunes, leave us a five star review. Tell us we suck or whatever, but that's all we don't care about that. We just want the five stars. <laughs> five star goal from from iTunes. So that's it for tonight. I uh, hope you like the show again. Check us out. You go to um, your Twitter, Betker underscore Eli. Um, you can find that in the show notes here, so you know how to spell it correctly. Jeremy Moss here if you want nonsense. And again, yes, we're always as as the reviewer <laughs> said, yes, we're biased against your team. Deal with it.